0: Welcome to the Christchurch Winston-Salem podcast. To learn more about Christchurch, visit us at Christchurchws.org. Subscribe to our podcast at our website, iTunes, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening. Lord Jesus, um, you answered the criminal's prayer on the cross You are so merciful. Lord, hear our prayer. Hear your people's prayer in this church today and come and speak a clear word in our hearing. Lord, wake this this body of believers up. Stir us up, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit. Give us a quickened and listening heart and a mind ready to understand. And Lord, please be with me, the preacher. Do not leave me by myself but speak through me lord in the power of your spirit we ask it in jesus name amen, amen. you may be seated well whether we realize it or not we've got a, a part of us i would call it a story receptor or a narrative receptor in our psyche in our in the in the deepest part of our consciousness. And this story receptor is kind of like, it's, it's like a Lego block. There's something that should fit right into it, okay? And the thing, this there's a character that fits right into that Lego block, uh, that that receptor in our psyche. And that character is the character of the good king, the character of the good king, of the true king. This, this place in our hearts for the idea of the good king, of the true king, is a transcultural idea. It represents a, a deep human longing in every civilization and in every age. In other words, what happens is we hear the story about a good king, about the true king, and we have this deep sense of inner satisfaction, of of it just being right. It is a good, it is good and right and meat. You know, we hear that story and it just fits right in. And it doesn't matter if you're a little boy. It doesn't matter if you're a little girl. It doesn't matter if you live in a Western democracy like the United States, or if you live in a tribal community in the Amazonian rainforest, or if you live in a large city on the African continent. uh, we all have a part of our heart that latches on to the story of the good king. And usually that story of the good king, the true king, goes like this. That king is unrecognized at first, or he's in exile, and an evil imposter, an evil pretender is on the throne. But through his goodness and through battle against monstrous evil, and with the loyalty of a few good subjects, the true king returns to the throne. And then, and then justice is given to the oppressed and peace reign, reigns and the people flourish and the very land itself overflows with abundance and fertility. It's in all those stories. We all have a place in our hearts for that, a, a longing, a deep longing that disappointment And cynicism may have strangled, but it is there. And it was there when we were little. And that's why we love those stories about those kings. In fact, the principalities and powers that dominate this present darkness, go see Ephesians 6, 12. Those principalities and powers give our little children stories of nihilism and cynicism when they are just in middle school. I've heard it recently, kids reading these just nihilistic, depressing, cynical books. They're assigned, and I think it is in order to cauterize, to burn out that longing for the good. Uh, To tell them, no, that is not the real world. There is no good king. There is no story in which everything sad comes untrue. Instead, injustice and deformity and twistedness and hopelessness and isolation are all that is real. That's the real world, little girl. That's the real world, little boy. And you better let it just sink in and kill your soul now and get on with the rest of your meaningless life. You know, parents, you need to see what your children are being required to read. Yet, listen, in spite of all that, In our best selves, in our truest selves, we long for for the good king. We express that longing over and over again in the stories that we love and the stories that we should tell our children. That good king just keeps coming up like King Arthur, the good king. Or good King Richard in the Robin Hood stories. Now, he was only good in the stories. In real life, he spent maybe six months total in England. He didn't speak English, and he wasn't that great of a king. But in the Robin Hood stories, bad King John, good King Richard. Or Aslan in C.S. Lewis's The Chronicles of Narnia. That's the good king. He's the king, I tell you. Or I hope you've read it, Aragon in Tolkien's Lord of the Rings. Or King Jupiter Goodson. What? Well, you haven't read the the Green Ember Stories, have you? You need to go out and get it right away. The Green Ember Stories, King Jupiter Goodson. They're kids' books. I spend a lot of time in kids' books. Uh You know, it's even in the Bible. Um, You know what you have in your pew today for the first time ever? You got this book with a big cross on the front of it. This is called the Book of Common Prayer. Yeah, ooh, <laughs> Vanna, tell us all about it. Well, <laughs> it's what it is, it's simply God's Word. It's God's Word orchestrated for prayer and worship. So when you open this up, you're going to say, that sounds familiar. Yes, most of it's based right out of the Bible. In fact, there's a good chunk of the Bible right in the middle of it. Take that thing out and open, open it up with me to page 359, 359. It's Psalm 72. You know, this Psalm comes up frequently, uh, on, at least on a two month rotation in our uh, morning prayer services. And I love this Psalm. It, it speaks to that deep longing for the true King. These words just, I love these words. Listen, this is inspired by the Holy Spirit poetry to speak to your heart to stir up that longing. Listen, just read it. Listen, I'm going to read it to you. Give the king your judgments, O God, and your righteousness to the king's son. Then shall he judge your people with righteousness and defend the poor with justice. We long for the king to bring justice. The mountains also shall bring peace and the little hills righteousness to the people He shall vindicate the poor among the people, defend the children of the poor, and punish the wrongdoer. They shall fear you as long as the sun and moon endure from one generation to another. And I love this. This I don't know why, but this just goes right to my heart. He shall come down like rain upon the mown grass, even as showers that water the earth. The king brings refreshing and light. In his time, the righteous shall flourish. Even an abundance of peace, so long as the moon endures, his dominion shall be shall be also from one sea to the other and from the river unto the world's end. Those who dwell in the wilderness shall kneel before him. His enemies shall lick the dust. The kings of Tarshish and of the isles shall give presents. The kings of Arabia and Seba bring gifts. All kings shall fall down before Him. All nations do Him service. Listen to what it says. For He shall deliver the poor when He cries, the needy also, and the one who has no helper. The King will come. You need a helper. He shall be favorable to the lowly and the needy. He shall preserve the lives of the poor. He shall deliver them from falsehood and wrong, and dear shall be their blood in His sight, or dear shall their blood be in His sight. Skip down to verse 16. This is what happens to the land when the good king comes. There shall be an abundance of grain on the earth, thick upon the hilltops. Its fruits shall flourish like Lebanon, its grain like the grass upon the earth. That's what we long for. I want that king. But here's the wonderful thing, brothers and sisters, is that the Bible shows us that that longing is given by God. You know, the historical King David in the Bible, first and second Samuel, that historical King David depicted in the scriptures who, though he was a flawed and fallen man, somehow embodied Israel's longing for the true king. What King David feebly embodied pointed to the deeper longing. God promised it in Jeremiah. We heard it this morning that that longing one day would be fulfilled. Do you remember? We just heard it. Jeremiah chapter 23 verses 5 and 6. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. Oh, that would be great. In his days, Judah will be saved, and Israel will dwell securely. And this is the name by which he shall be called, the Lord is our righteousness. Well, brothers and sisters, today, this day, this Sunday, is Christ the King Sunday. And on this day, we celebrate that the king that we have always longed for, that the king we always longed for in all those stories that we read. Have you ever done this? You read one of those stories and you say, oh, I just wish that was true. I wish that was true. Well, today we celebrate that the king we longed for is a true king. He is a true king and that He has indeed come and that He will come again, and not just in a storybook, but right here in this real world. That story of the true king that was not recognized, who was unjustly deposed by evildoers, and yet who, through a great battle against monstrous monstrous evil and against all odds, wins the victory, and will someday reign and give justice to the oppressed and cause the very earth itself to be restored to beauty and life. That king is a real king, and that story is the... Listen, that king's a real king. That story is the true story of the whole world. That is the true story of the whole world. We need to have that sink into our hearts. Look at with me, uh, if you want to go back to Luke chapter 23, we just read that. I want you to look back, take a, a, a gaze at that again. And in this part of Scripture, in this reading, the elite, the powerful, the pretenders, who claim to be the rulers of this world, have stripped Jesus naked. This is Luke chapter 23. They have pummeled Him with their fists. They beat Him with rods. They've whipped Him so that the flesh hangs in ribbons from His back, and they have nailed Him up on a cross. And in procession, each group of these these powerful people comes by to mock Him in His agony. This is verse 35, Luke 23, 35. And the people stood by watching. By the way, in, in Luke's gospel and in this Greek text, in the Greek text for this, it's the laos, like laity, the laity. And in Luke's gospel, the, the people that says, and they stood by watching. In other words, they, the way the word is in Greek, it means they looked and they understood what was going on. And it was breaking their hearts. In Luke's gospel, it was breaking the people's hearts but not the rulers. Listen to what it says. But the people were watching, but the rulers scoffed at him saying, he saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And there was also an inscription over him. This is the king of the Jews. You see... Even his enemies, when they are frothing with hatred, can't help but tell the truth about Jesus. He is the king. They're right. He is the king of the Jews. He is the one spoken about in Jeremiah chapter 23. He is the righteous branch who shall reign as king. And because... Listen. And because he is the true king, because he is the good king, He saves others precisely because He won't save Himself. By not saving Himself, by not coming down off that cross, but willingly remaining there held not by nails, but by love. He lays down His life to save even these rebels and murderers. You know, the most astonishing thing that happens in the entire gospel reading this morning is that somebody, someone, amidst the noise and the smell of death and the jeers and taunts of the evildoers, someone recognizes that the true king has come. And this is the least likely somebody in the whole story. A criminal, a convict, justly condemned to death. Yet somehow in the moment of what looks like abject defeat, this criminal recognizes the king. Somehow when the king is enthroned, not in glory, but on the hardwood of the cross, the least likely person in the story recognizes the true king for who he truly is. I mean, this is astonishing. Listen to what he says. Think about the moment that we're in. There's a reviling criminal on one side saying, basically cussing Jesus out. Hey man, if you're so great, you save yourself and save us. The soldiers have taunted him, the the rulers of the people in their fine robes have lashed out in mockery. The people stand at a distance weeping. There's the buzz of flies. There's the smell of death in the air. And all of a sudden, this other criminal looks at Jesus, sees a king and says, he calls him by name, Jesus, remember me when you, beaten and crucified Jesus, Come into your kingdom. What an astonishing prayer. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, I tell you the truth. Today you will be with me in paradise. That criminal is saying, you are the king. You're the king, the true king. I've always longed for. I've always been looking for it. And I can't believe that I have found you in my last moments. The least likely moment of my sorry life. You are right beside me in my agony and shame and brokenness and guilt. You have come all the way, my king, to the place of the skull. All the way to hang beside me on a cross, my king to rescue me. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Beloved, Jesus is the true king you have always wanted for, always wanted, always longed for. Maybe you have been taught and maybe you believed that the story of the good king is impossible. But not only is it possible, it is the true story of the whole world. And does this king... This unrecognized king went a battle against monstrous evil, against all odds. Luke 24, verse 1. But on the first day of the week at early dawn, the women went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He's won a great victory against a monstrous evil against all odds. He is not here, he is risen. By His resurrection, He broke the bonds of death, trampling hell and Satan under His feet. No matter what happens today in the halls of power in this world, no matter what the political landscape looks like in this country or any country, I had a a very smart academic Christian dude, say, you know, we need to prepare our people to mourn in this coming election season. I'm thinking uh, we need to prepare them not to be idolaters. We have a king. no matter what happens or no matter what it looks like politically in this country or any country, those of us who have recognized and believed and received King Jesus, those of us who have been baptized have had the King's own anointing oil traced on our foreheads with these words, receive the sign of the cross as a token of your new life in Christ in which you shall not be ashamed to confess the faith of Christ crucified to bravely fight under His banner against the world, the flesh, and the devil, and to continue as His faithful soldier to the end of your days. You know, when I, heard, when I read that again in preparation for this sermon, praying about this sermon, when I heard that those words, I said, that sounds like they're making knights. Sounds like, sounds like somebody's being made a knight. Of a king. I always wanted to be a knight. The dark knight from Batman. But a knight. I wanted to be a knight. And it's true. It it happened. We are that. Lords and ladies and knights and gentlefolk. Serving the true king. Wow. Wow. The best story you could tell is the realest story in the world. C.S. Lewis said, enemy-occupied territory, that's what this world is. And Christianity is the story of how the rightful king has landed. You might say landed in disguise and is calling us to take part in a great campaign of sabotage. Did you know that this was the true story of the whole world that's why you always wanted it to be true if there is a longing that we have that this world does not fulfill that must mean that there is something outside this world that alone can fulfill it that's not my fault there is that true king It is true, and this king has come and gone through hell and back again to save you out of love. And this king loves you and wants you to follow him through life and death and back into life again. Won't you follow this king today? Don't you want to be a part of that true story? Won't you receive him? You know, Christian, I think maybe we should pray that prayer that we heard prayed in the Scripture this morning. And maybe if you're not a follower of Jesus, you could do like that thief did and pray it with us. And maybe this would be the day that you started following that Jesus, that king that was the most unlikely moment and the most unlikely person. And maybe this is the most unlikely moment and you are the most unlikely person to pray this prayer. Do you remember the prayer, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom? Believer and maybe penitent unbeliever, pray it with me now. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening. To learn more about Christchurch, visit us at Christchurchws.org. Subscribe to our podcast at our website, iTunes, or wherever you listen to podcasts.